I am Jen Wilson, author and body, mind and soul coach. Welcome to the I Am podcast, where we explore who you are. Welcome to the podcast, it's Jen and this is episode 100. I cannot believe I have recorded 100 podcast episodes. So thrilling and because I knew that it was coming up to episode 100 I thought I need to have somebody, somebody really significant for me to be on the podcast. So I asked my good friend Brian Costello. So if you've read my book Nine Rules to Sort Your Shit you will know that Brian has been very influential in my life over the last decade. Um, As I say to him in this conversation he pushed me into the chaos and then was there at the other side to help me out the other side. Um, Yeah Brian is a NLP master. He is the founder of Headstrong NLP and also co-founder of the Scottish Centre of NLP. So they deliver training so that other people can become NLP practitioners and master practitioners. So if you don't know what NLP is, it's Neuro Linguistic Programming and it's basically, I would say, a form of counselling slash therapy where you really get to work on your limiting beliefs and the things that maybe hold you back or cause you distress or disrupt your life. Anything that just doesn't feel good, there is a way to work through it, finding out where it came from and how to burst that bubble to change your view of the world and to change your approach to the world. And it has been so helpful. And it's one of the the tools that I do frequently return to. I don't always go and work with an NLP coach, but I come back to the questions that I know an NLP coach would ask. One of the questions is, what is the story that I'm telling myself right now? And I go through the process of trying to work out, where is this coming from? Why do I hold this belief? What can I do to change it? And that's thank you to Brian for that skill and that knowledge and that understanding. So, again, this conversation just goes kind of off on tangents, as I like to happen. Um, I most often go into a conversation with absolutely no agenda, and that's what this conversation is. But Brian is insightful and wise and knowledgeable and just an amazing human being. So, as always, if you like the podcast... Give us a review, share it, like it, love it, pass it on to your pals, pass it on to your family, anybody at all that you think would get a benefit from listening to the podcast. Share, 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 share. And as always, if you wish to be on the podcast, reach out to me, Jen at I am Jen Wilson. Just drop us an email and we can have a conversation. All right, so enjoy this show and... I'll see you on the other side.
Bing bong. Mr. Costello. Hello there. How are you? I'm all right. Guess what? This is going to be podcast number 100. Oh, yes. I'm <laughs> going to take that. I've timed that so well. I am going to take that. Excellent. It feels like the centenary podcast. That's, that's fucking crazy. 100 podcasts. Jesus. I know. 100 podcasts yeah. and we talk and shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's and what every podcast is. To talk exactly. <laughs> it's whether it's good quality talking shite. I'm shutting down anything on my computer. I've been having all sorts of issues with my Wi-Fi. Um, so I'm shutting down anything that looks like it might suck some bandwidth up. Uh, yeah, well, I'm on um, my phone because I broke my laptop last night. Oh, but did you try and chuck it at a wall or did you do No, anything? I knocked my bottle over and ah. it just tapped onto the screen and because it's an LCD screen, it shattered. Oh. And it didn't actually shatter. It just looks like it's broken glass, but it's not. And it's like fucking technology. So just a wee tap and it was just oh. enough just to... Yeah. So... Well, that's not very friendly. I've, I've ordered a new screen. Hopefully it's going to arrive tomorrow. Obviously, there's no guarantees right now for when anything's going to arrive. Absolutely. And then if you got to therefore get, like, I mean, is it an easy just click, click? Or are you going to have to get, like, tools out and all sorts and be very technical and clever? Like, um, I'm going to pass it to Chris and he's going to do that. <laughs> because he likes, he has this thing where he likes to take laptops apart and oh, like, right, okay. build them and stuff like that. So he's rebuilt my dad's laptop a couple of times because my dad has a tendency to throw cups of coffee over his keyboard. Okay. Or, so it's a family know. thing. Yeah, it seems to be. <laughs> it's like some sort of bizarre genetic thing about ruining laptops by covering them in liquids. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that's... Yeah, good job. Uh, okay. Uh, well, it looks great. Considering you are on your phone, you're coming through loud and clear and you look uh, crisp and clear, so... Uh, I, th- I think my phone, because I do all my, I teach all my classes online as well at the moment and I'm doing it through my phone because the sound quality and the connection stays better because if the Wi-Fi starts to drop, it switches on to 4G, so it never, it yep. never loses. And la- was it last week or the week before, we were having power cuts on a daily basis. Oh, that's very I thought we had gone back to the 80s. Yes, exactly. It was like there's going to be rubbish piling up outside and power cuts yeah. all the time. Yeah, but um, there was some a problem with the fuse box or something in the street, so while they were getting that fixed, that's why we were having it. So it was just as well I was on my phone. Well, I've uh, so my Wi-Fi issues, um, I've been told, don't exist. Uh, so You're with Virgin Media? Uh, no, uh, Vodafone, okay. um, and I even downloaded like, a wee speed checker thing on my phone that not only checks what speed I'm getting, like as in my broadband, but checks mm-hmm. your Wi-Fi signal and how strong the signal is, and everything mm-hmm. says that everything should be okay, but um, I, I just keep on dropping out, 
and it, and it just all of a sudden falls. So I had a Wi-Fi, a Wi-Fi extender that I had out in the hall. So I've moved yeah. it in here. So it's now down behind that printer, which isn't the best place because it's not meant to be hiding behind furniture. So yeah. later on today, there's a whole office remodel uh, coming where that's moving over here and all sorts of stuff to try and free up this wee box. Uh, but you're actually my first proper test of it. So it was oh, interesting because yeah. I put it under the... I put it under my desk and it's got like a, you know how you get like 2.4 and then you get a five. So you get like super fast broadband and all that type of stuff these days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It wasn't connecting to the super fast. And I wonder if that was the problem. The, the, yeah. the Wi-Fi extender kept on dropping it out. So it might not have enough power or something yeah, to pick it up the signal. Might not be quite reaching here, but I've, I've got my, my router is in entirely the wrong place. So it's, I've, I've got everything that they tell you not to. Don't put it next to a window. Don't put it next to a wall. Don't put it in a corner of a room. Don't put it next to a phone. So we've moved the phone uh, and I now need to go onto Amazon uh, and buy loads of phone cord stuff so I can extend it and put the actual router in the hall. Amazing. I'm sure that's an essential purchase. Well, is that through Amazon? So apparently anything just now is... Um, yeah, exactly. Amazon delivery drivers are out anyway. It's all essential. Yeah, exactly. It's all <laughs> essential purchases, no matter what it is that you want. Yeah, I need this very important <laughs> thing that... Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Anyway. It's for, for my sanity. <laughs> exactly. I, I think I, I have thought that with a couple of things. Like, this is a new office chair. This is my... I, and of course, that's an essential purchase because the last one was falling to bits. Uh, because that... I actually I did it well physical health it became it became an important thing because it was the leather was all coming apart uh, and I walked out from a meeting with a client and I'd been doing a client session and she went like that and pulled this big bit of black stuff that had come off the chair that I hadn't <laughs> even noticed had been sticking to my head so I thought oh, right that's it I need a new chair uh, and and here we are and here you are indeed yes so, anyway anyway so we've known each other for quite a long time now yes Absolutely. 2010, I believe. September I would reckon that's about right. I could probably it's, track back, but it would scare you. It's in my book, because I remember when I was writing my book, ah, I had yeah. a message just to ask you, and you went away and checked your diary yep. to find out when it was. That you when the first in. session was. It wasn't even the first session, but it was the first time you came to speak at college. Oh, I, yeah, of course. So yeah. You were then mentioned in the, in the creation story of my book maybe three or four times, and I got a message from Grant, you know, my best friend Grant, Yep. Um, Brian Costello's had five mentions in your book, where is my name? And I was like, <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, so, Grant. Uh, okay. Sorry, man. Um, so when I did the, um, I, I revamped it and did a sort of more gender neutral one, so it wasn't become a warrior woman, it was just nine rules to sort your shit. Um, I put, oh, yeah. I put him, I something about him in the first, like, first <laughs> <laughs> nice Grant is now in the book that is important though he has he's, he's been a name I think I've only ever met him twice but he's a name that has constantly been mentioned in all of my all of my knowing you um, yes. so I think I've met you yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah, definitely yeah definitely <laughs> so why don't we not then properly introduce you okay. as who you are and what it is that you do okay so, uh, yeah, my name is uh, Brian Costello and I run um, a company called Headstrong. And what I do is I uh, make every effort that I possibly can to talk about mental health positively 
and to train other people to be able to do exactly the same thing. Um, I think one of the things that we've had, and, and I think maybe was a, a big part of, uh, of our relationship going way back, was the fact that we've always had a laugh, even when things have been shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's even when things have been proper teary, that there's always been a way to find our way through that by, by going, okay, well, this is just what it is. That doesn't make it any less difficult. And I think that's, that's what I love to do, um, especially at the moment. There's a lot of, I don't know if you've found this, but there's been a lot of frowning, Every time people mention the words mental health, well, mental health, it's like serious conversation time. Uh, let's talk about mental health. I went onto the BBC uh, website last week onto their app to check on their mental health tab and everything was about crises and all yeah. sorts. There was, there's nobody kind of talking about it positively. And I, I think it's all about understanding. So what I like to do is help people understand their mental health because when they do, they tend not to be scared of it. And when that doesn't make it any less emotional, but when you're less scared of it, uh, then at least you know that you're not broken. Uh, yeah. And then that can be a basis, a foundation for, for healing and for getting better. Definitely. Um, so do you, do you still use NLP as a big part of your, your stuff? Or do you have, yep. are you more broader, different? No, no, it's... I would say it's predominantly, um, it's predominantly still NLP combined with bits of hypnotherapy and bits of coaching. But I would think if you were to look at it as a cake, um, yeah. it, it, definitely the, the vast majority of that cake would be made of NLP. Yeah. Um, uh, just as, a, as such a, a versatile tool. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just useful. It's just a useful set of understandings. It's not a religion, yeah. by the way, if anybody does go look at Wikipedia. <laughs> it is not a religion. It's just, it a, set of, it's just a set of tools. That's all and if it you is. look at any of Tony Robbins' events, it might oh, look yeah. cultish, mm. but it's not a cult. <laughs> and if you ever go to Tony Robbins' event, it feels like a cult, but I promise it's... It, it just, you don't have to join. I always remember going and seeing them. Um, you can go out and on his merch stall, uh, you, you can get like you know those big cubes that you get in holiday that's like an angel in the middle and it's like a perspex cube and you shine a light up inside it and it all lights up like laser cubes or something they call them uh-huh. uh, and it was then with Tony's face in it oh that's creepy it is creepy that's what I thought it's always stick I can't remember anything else in the merch stall but they stuck in my head imagine oh, having Tony creepy. in your cabinet with a light underneath him just with his, his face lighting up every day it's like holy sh- Jesus there will be uh, people there will yes. be people. They wouldn't sell it otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That is true. Because <laughs> yeah, I know I've done all the NLP training with mm-hmm. you over the years. And one of the things that I find really interesting is NLP is very conscious about the language that we use when we're yep. talking about ourselves in our internal chatter. And then you look at things like the news and the way things are being put out there, like you're saying about health, mental health crisis. Yep. And this is the war on whatever, whether it's the war on terror or drugs or coronavirus or whatever, yeah. and we're in lockdown. All this language is like really fear-inducing, horrible, negative language. Why do you think that they use that? That's a great question. I think, yeah, so in, in NLP, we, we tend to call it clean language. If anybody's looking, it's like keeping your language clean uh, and understanding that the words that we see and it, that to ourselves, as, as you just said there as well, Jen, is that the words that we say 
have an effect on our own psychology and our own perception of the world. Like uh, my my, um, my father-in-law, who I think you might have met a couple of times, is uh, uh, it doesn't even. In fact, let me let me frame this example up. Um, the what we don't realise sometimes is, as you said, how words like lockdown and how war on and fighting this and battling mental health and all of these different things, how they just very gradually, it's like very, uh, this is maybe a wee bit strong word, but kind of insidiously um, shape our perception of the world. Mm. So my father-in-law, for instance, doesn't realize some of the stuff he comes out with and what he says because he believes it to be true. But there's so much of it, you can hear the fact that he reads the Daily Mail uh, every day and yeah. you can hear that just slight thing that is just being uh, just changed warped um, influenced if you liked by the fact that he has this newspaper that he reads every day that gives him this perception of the world and this is happening whether you read right-wing press left-wing press whatever it is you know like for for many of us um that have of a certain generation and i know that many people uh, obviously had had different mindsets, but if I'd listened to my Facebook um, whenever it was five or six years ago, Scotland would now be an independent country. But yeah. uh, what we were hearing was a certain type of language that was shaping us to go down a certain way. So why do they use it? I think because as they did at that time, in fact, I did an interview uh, for STV, uh, for, for um, the Scottish News on the yes and no campaigns just before the vote. And it almost got pulled. Uh, I've not actually done very much with STV since. Maybe it was kind of a bit, maybe I leaked <laughs> too much. But it almost got pulled because they were asking me about the psychology of the two campaigns. But the reason it almost got pulled was because it was, uh, I, I, basically I, I flew my flag, I think. Uh, and it was seen as maybe being a little too leaning. It wasn't uh, neutral enough. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe I lent a little bit too much to to, to my side, uh, which maybe yeah. you might be able to guess, but there's no point in putting into the uh, in the podcast unless we need to. So I think, you know, as I discussed at that time, that no campaign uh, ran, uh, as, as we all said, you know, hope over fear, all of these things. But fear is a massively powerful motivator and it, yeah. and it sells and it motivates and it moves people. So if I'm a news organization, um, I can talk about all the fluffy, happy stuff all I want, but actually we seem to be, we're drawn to pain in a way. We like, uh, it's not that we like to be scared, but I think there is a cultural thing where we're used to it. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you, if, you had, uh, if you had two news programs on um, and one of them was somebody at the moment, just by everything we're going through, going, we're going to get through this. Everything's going to be fine. We hope you're all well. Here's some great ideas. And this is stuff that people are doing and, and you're doing and I'm doing. And then you had another one that was saying, right, here's what we have to be scared of. I genuinely think if that was running every day, more people would start to gravitate to the one of what should I be scared of? What should I be scared of? Because ultimately, I suppose we all have a unconscious desire for safety. So we want to understand where's, where should I be scared? And yeah. we just get fed it. We just get fed it all the time. Some of it needs to be there, but I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it's quite dangerous. Yeah, I think uh, that draw to what do we need to be scared of can even go back to survival instincts because yeah. you have to be aware of what you need to be afraid of so that you can run away from it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, 
in those days it was wild animals in the next hunting village. Yep. Now it's your Facebook post or your yeah. newspaper headline or a boss on the phone going, why is this not, why is this not being done yet? Yep. Kind of like the, the level of it, but we're not, for some reason, we don't identify that because it's still getting the same nervous system reaction. That's it, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're ultimately just big nervous systems, so you're, you're totally right. I mean, we, anxiety, anxiety is, is easy to, to induce. I, I could probably, with many people who are listening to this, we could probably have a much better job if we wanted to make them anxious than if we wanted to make them hopeful. We could sit on this podcast and tell everybody how amazing they are, how fantastic they are, that they're not broken, that everything's going to be great and actually you have in you everything that you possibly need to be able to survive and do all the things that you want to do. And they'll go, oh, that's nice that they said that. That's nice that those folks said that. But if we said to them, by the way, here's all the things you should be scared of. Mental health is a battleground, you know, and, uh, and it's now there's a, we're in a mental health crisis uh, and all these things. People would go, I've got, oh my God, we're in a mental health crisis. I listen to this podcast and miss the fact that actually we talked about hope and, and all of these things. So, yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it's just this natural survival instinct to, I need to know what to be scared of. And, yeah. and you're absolutely right. More people now scared of their fake tan uh, and whether or not they're, you know, well, <laughs> I've got to admit, I did notice that Nicola Sturgeon was on telly yesterday and I did notice that God love her because she probably could have access to a haircut if she wanted to. Uh, but, but she's obviously going, no, no, I can't cut my hair because then that sends out the wrong message. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, uh, but yeah, we're more worried about our haircuts and, and what we look like at the moment because we can't get a proper haircut. Then, you yeah, know, well, so. she, to be fair, she was on, she did put a post on her Instagram showing that she was doing a, um, like a Zoom call with her hairdresser who was talking her through how to dye her hair. And I was like, that is brilliant that she's even put that out there. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like that's just made her so real and so honest yep. about this is, everybody's doing it. <laughs> exactly. I am one of <laughs> so, you. But yeah. Yeah. Without shaping this into a political podcast, but I mean, that's, I think what she's done very, very well, even since the start of this, but I thought she did very well before that is this uh, woman of the people uh, type act. Now, yeah. we could argue, as I know many people would want to, about whether or not it's all a facade and whether or not it's an act and blah, blah, blah. But simple fact is, from a psychological point of view, she does it very well. She stands behind that podium. Uh, and I, this one thing I noticed yesterday, for anybody that does public speaking, um, she, she did an interview yesterday on that Andrew Marshall. I don't watch the Andrew Marshall. It just happened to be on. I'm not one of these people that goes, I'm going to get up on a Sunday morning and go and watch the Andrew Marshall. Uh, that's, it just happens to be on. Uh, and she was on. But it was interesting for anybody that does public speaking and is ever scared of that, how many times she said she didn't know. He kept on asking her questions. She's like, I don't know. Uh, and a lot of public speakers always think they have to know, but what it did, it was made her real, it made her vulnerable and all of these different things. And I think that's what people are scared of, especially in their mental health. They're scared yeah. of being vulnerable. And I think that maybe kicks in that survival instinct. I mean, you've worked with that many people as well. You probably, even from a fitness, health, nutrition point of view, you know, even especially uh, with, with some of the stuff you've got into over the last few while in terms of the spiritual side of things, it's the side of things that makes people feel vulnerable and open and that's something that from a young age we're taught not well not not to be but to be wary of 
Yeah. I think even, even being somebody in authority that can say, I don't know, that for me, I get a lot of respect for people that do that because yep. I have a big issue at the hospital um, because one of the people that I come into contact with, when I ask a question, even if they don't know the answer, they will give me an answer and then when okay. I go away and I look into it more, I'm like that. They were talking utter shite because they just didn't want to say, I don't know. Yep. And you would have had more <laughs> respect like, for them and it would have been better for your health if they just said, look, I don't know, I'll yeah. look into that for you. Let me get back to you. I'll send you an email. I'll give you a phone. I'll talk to you in your or next even, appointment. That's not our department. So you would need to go and speak. Yep. Go back to your GP or go back to, to somebody else rather than just, blah, blah, blah. I had a lecture at college <laughs> that used to do that as well. It's interesting um, though, I wonder, I think there's a part of that though as well that comes out in the, the in just general life as well because of things like social media, Instagram, Facebook, all of these things, because I think a lot of people think that they need to know shit. I mean, I know that health-wise, definitely from, from my perspective, so psychological-wise, there are a whole heap of people out there at the moment speaking about mental health that I'm like, what are you saying? Like, yeah. is, is that... Is that sending out a positive, a positive message? Is it sending out any message? What, what gives you the right to be an expert? You'd be better trying to pretend that you didn't know everything and go back. I'm being very facetious with what I'm about to say, but go back and do makeup tutorials because you're awesome at that. Uh, <laughs> you know, like go back and, and do makeup tutorials and teach people how to put eyeshadow on because you're brilliant. But that does not mean that all of a sudden you're the font of knowledge on mental health or or how somebody should be living the rest of their life but I think that comes yeah. down to us trying to be everything to everyone you know yeah and for as far as social media is concerned you're always told share your story share your story share yeah. your story so people then share maybe all of their story or a large part of it and then people go oh that person must know how to deal with this and then people will then approach them for help and instead of them going do you know what I don't know, I only know it from my experience, go and speak to this person or that person, they then go, oh, this is what you should do. <laughs> I and think that is such a good point. As, yeah. uh, I mean, it is, isn't it? It's like uh, that. In fact, I hadn't actually even thought of that before as, as probably the route that it takes. Share my story, be vulnerable. Oh, well, then they know how to deal with it when actually they yeah. don't, they're still in the shit. I, I've talked a few times as well, and we're kind of off on a tangent here to but. I love a um, tangent. Sorry. Oh, well, that's good then. If the podcast is, is good with tangents, it, it's it is that thing. Tangent. <laughs> it's just the tangent podcast. Uh, let's just start a conversation, see where it goes. But it is that thing of, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of influencers out there, which I think is, if anybody's listening to this, it's a parent, or maybe even if you are a, a teenager or listening to influencers, there's a lot of influencers who, who profit from st- staying. Uh, I, I'm, I'm choosing my words very carefully here because what I was going to say was staying broken and I know I said earlier that nobody nobody is broken I don't believe they are but I think they behave like they're broken because that gets them the followers the people who are on there going um, you know like I'm so anxious I'm so anxious and I'm so sorry for that and you know thanks you guys for helping me that then what they do is they build up as you say that that following of, of especially young people who go oh, I'm anxious too uh, you, you're like me uh, and and then what happens is there's there's no impetus there's no there's no motivation there to get to get better there's no motivation to make that to get that improved there's no motivation for therapy there's no motivation for anything I, I did an article uh, an article uh, a post recently about an article in 
uh, in Women's Health magazine. Uh, this this very one right here, uh, <laughs> and um, it was uh, a, a really it was actually relatively well written article. In fact, that's that's really rude. Uh, it was it was a very well written article, <laughs> um, but it was all about how to come off antidepressants. And some of the, the information in it was, was really good. The, the four tips that she gives at the end of the article are exactly what I've been saying for years. I'm not a doctor at all, but just in terms of experience, what I've said to people, you know, about coming off them, like weaning yourself off them, come off them in bits and, you know, come off them when you're ready, blah, blah, blah. But there was a, there was a paragraph in it where she talks about how she tried to, so her doctor turns around and says, okay, it's time to come off your antidepressants. And she makes a move to come off the antidepressants. And she said it, it felt like the flood came back again and everything was back where it was and I was anxious. And so she just went back on the tablets. And I'm like, but at no point in the article did she ever mention therapy. She never mentions going and speaking to someone. She never, so I'm like, I, I, get, I, I, I get my back up because I'm like, but that's you talking about the antidepressants as if they're a cure. Mm. Uh, and they're not a cure. There are a very, very useful, um, and for some people very useful, and for some people very effective crutch. But that's what they are. They hold you up, but you need to be doing everything behind the scenes. You know, it'd be like, you know, someone with, uh, you know, with, with Crohn's, for instance, you know, making, uh, saying, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be less stressed, and then sitting and drinking four litres of full-fat iron brew every day and having a shit diet. But do you know what? I'm super calm. I'm doing mindfulness every day. Uh, I don't know why. Let's face it, you can't be calm on iron brew. Yeah, exactly. I, you're wired on sugar and caffeine. Like, exactly. It's, like, it's, like, it's, only part of the, it's only part of the solution. It's, yeah. it, and, and I think that, that for me is, you know, so, so for many of these influencers, which is where I started that, you know, and being on antidepressants and staying in this this mental health um, hamster wheel is is an effective marketing tool, but in some ways it's what everybody's been taught. You know, it's like yeah. what they've learned. Do you notice that you've dealt with probably thousands, if not tens of thousands, of people over the last twenty? 13, thir uh, 13 years full time, 17 years since I first walked into a room. Yeah, so you, you've dealt off. with, you must be in the 10,000 mark of people that you have. That makes me go off funny, Jen, when you say that. I, I don't know. I, 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 it must be, though, because you speak to big rooms of people. That is true. It's not, everybody's yeah. not always one-to-one. -one. You sometimes speak to big, to big rooms yeah. of people. That is true. Do you see many common threads and the underlying issues that people have? Yes. Uh, yeah, I see... Um, and this, I think actually we could make this smaller, uh, this list that I'm about to give, because I think that actually they're all reflections on the same thing, especially these days. Now, yeah. one thing I'll say before I say this is that I don't know if you find this in, in what you do, but you tend to... Uh, and this could come back to the influencer thing. You tend to attract... This, the same type of client. So this might be just the type of client that I attract because of the way that I speak and the things that I do attract a certain type of person. So what I see as trends that, uh, that, that therefore are, are because that's who I speak to. So, but the, the trends that I see are um, a, a top level one of, of just basically not being good enough. 
Yep. So people constantly run. I know it's a cliche. I know it's come into a whole heap of things where, um, you know, people, oh yeah, maybe it's because you're, you know, you don't think you're good enough and all the different things that then shoot off that. Um, so tends to show up as, as, as people who, who doubt themselves um, in, in various things. But here's the thing that I think is important just as I'm talking about that. It's important because I believe that everybody, as you know, because you've studied NLP as well, that everybody works in patterns and that most of our mental health problems, if it only happens once, that's a completely different thing. If there's a mental health problem that's consistently happening, then it's a pattern. And what many people are doing is they're looking in the wrong place. They're, they're trying to tackle behavior uh, uh, rather than actually tackle the problem. So th- that'll become relevant. So the, the whole idea of not being good enough, for somebody who really has that as a thing that's going on in their life, if you imagine that that could show up in the relationship where either they believe they're not good enough, so and, and then what we get is all these different ways that it can show up. So somebody that's not good enough could end up basically thinking, my partner's going to leave me, my partner's going to leave me because I'm a piece of crap. And obviously, why would they be with me anyway? Because I'm not good enough. They could end up being somebody who ends up in a relationship where they basically get um, controlled because why would, I mean, they're, they're good enough. You know, they, they, they're okay. I mean, they love me really, even though they treat me like crap. Yeah. Uh, but also they could end up being the controller because I'm not good enough. So this person's going to leave me. So what I'm now going to do is I want to look at your phone and I need to read all your text messages uh, because it, Actually, intrinsically, I don't believe I'm good enough, but how I'm going to show that is by controlling you as a partner so much. Uh, and, and most of these things, therefore, are fear responses. So I think there's that uh, kind of just general generic, you don't believe you're good enough. I think then, and these might be offshoots of this, is classic imposter syndrome. Uh, I'm going to get found out. And that shows up in a whole heap of ways. There's, there's work by a... A, a really interesting lady whose name I cannot remember at the moment, but I will remember in about three seconds. As you go um, <laughs> As I look up, yeah, what the bloody hell her name was. Uh, it, was right. it was really, uh, I can't even find her. I thought she'd come up on the top thing at Google, um, but uh, she's not yet. Uh, so anyway, oh, Dr. Valerie Young, she came up with five different types of imposter syndrome, and it's just so clever. If you just search imposter syndrome, she's now basically taken the top page of Google. So Dr. Valerie Young, she says that the, the five are the perfectionist. So somebody who you know doesn't believe. So the imposter syndrome, basically, again, a, a form of not believing you're good enough. So somebody who's perfectionist. Uh, the superwoman or superman who tries to be everything to everyone. Uh, uh, the naturalist who... It's what we talked about earlier, I suppose, which is that I'm going to pretend I know everything uh, because I'm actually so scared that I know nothing uh, that that's what it is. Um, the soloist who just is so scared that basically they refuse to work as a team, so they just take themselves off and are so scared that somebody might find them out. Uh, and then finally, um, the the expert, so they gather knowledge. They are just um, the, 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 the person in the office that is... Um, like protects all the knowledge that they have, the gatekeeper. It's like, <laughs> I know that and I'm not going to let you know that because I'm the expert. And if I teach you how to know that, then I lose my expert status. Yeah, It's fascinating. Honestly, I did another podcast on these, specifically on these five things uh, a couple of months ago. And me and the other person that were on the podcast are sitting there going, oh, shite. 
which one are you? Uh, which, which one do you I, take? I'm definitely at least two of them. Yeah, I think I'm two of them as well. I, I definitely used to be an expert in Barclays when I used to have a proper job. i definitely an expert. Uh, I think now uh, sometimes being uh, the, the Superman kind of thing can be a thing that uh, is, yeah, I think I can sometimes try and be that, like where I'm just working a wee bit extra hard just to show everybody that I can do uh, Anyway, yeah. yeah. So, anyway, so I think they are also, uh, like, but I think they're offshoots of, again, not being good enough because imposter syndrome is I'm not good enough, so therefore I'm going to get found out. Yeah. Yeah. And if I to chuck a last one in, and I think this might come, uh, and it might be a form of imposter syndrome, it might be just a, an offshoot, again, of not being good enough, is the, the helpers. And I am going to guess that a lot of people that listen to your podcast are going to be helpers and fixers. Uh, and the <laughs> oh, problem, I'm on that one as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll wait until I tell you how a helper fixer works, Jen. You've got to The thing about, and the way to identify a helper and a fixer is that they are, and I've been meeting a lot of them recently, uh, is that they are fantastic when the camera is pointed away from them. So as long as it's to do with someone else or something else and it's not about them, they're brilliant. They are confident, resourceful, uh, Mm -hmm. incredible people who are doing amazing things. But you turn the camera around and point to them, and they just go to bits. <laughs> uh, so they're the type of people who will help me. you. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking that's also me. Can I just say? Um, <laughs> so you t- you basically you'd help everybody else with all of their problems, but then sometimes the curse of the helper is is that that we will sit and we'll go. Um, oh well, I, I'm not going to tell anybody about my problem because it's not important enough. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not going to reach out for the help. Um, just a wee challenge because this this really kind of resonated with a few people recently. One of the other issues about a helper uh, is that um, helpers will quite often find themselves unless they until they get to a certain level. I'm hoping that that you and I have I'm hoping found this extra level <laughs> most of the time anyway. Uh, is they'll surround themselves with broken people. Uh, so you'll look around your friend group, your relationships, and you'll go, uh oh. Everybody around here is a project or somebody who's a wee waifs and strays, you know, you just pick them up. Over time, everybody comes to you because you're the helper. You're the one that looks after everyone. And, uh, but that means that when you reach out for help, there's the potential that everybody just like wee meerkats just and just disappear. Uh, And what a helper needs to do, because you don't want to change being a helper because it's amazing. The world needs them, especially at the moment. Uh, is to surround yourself with other helpers, surround yourself in a community of helpers. I, I think that's why, you know, when you've experienced this, I think that's why PRAC, uh, practitioner, the NLP practitioner course, um, or any of these courses, sometimes even Breakthrough Weekend, which is, uh, you know, even just after college where you started. Yeah. I think that's why they are so powerful because I think, especially practitioner, I think a whole heap of helpers walk into a room looking for tools to help other people. Yeah. And then find themselves in a room <laughs> full of helpers who will help them. And it's like, oh, there's people like me. Uh, yeah. There's other me's. Uh, this is amazing. And everybody's filling each other's tank. So by the end of seven days, everybody walks out for the first time in years with their, like, their, their tank full. Because yeah. everybody's been going, no, it's okay for you to be vulnerable. It's okay for you to have a problem. It's, and I'm here to help you. And it's like, oh. 
And I think that's why the bonds quite often that happen on those courses can be so strong is because yeah, because we, we, I, I think that's what happened to me. Because I, I was I was such an amazing helper. You know, as I, I, you've heard me say this story before, but I was um, I was the guy with all loads and loads of girlfriends, but no girlfriend, uh, yeah. because I was a great listener uh, and I could solve people's problems. And I thought that was my job, uh, and even before it was my job. Uh, and then all of a sudden, it's like I go on prac, and I'm like, there's, "There's people like me. There's people who want to help me." I'm a, oh my god, this is incredible! And it's like I want to do that. So anyway, I talked for ages there, apologies. But then it's difficult as well going into that, and I'm speaking from my own personal experience going into that, and then having to learn how to be vulnerable because you've never mm. had to be vulnerable vulnerable before. I mean, I remember in the early days when we were working together and you were saying like you need to be vulnerable I had to yep. go away and look up what that meant because I had no idea yep. hadn't a clue and then even when I'm looking at like the dictionary definition of it I'm like I don't know how to do that I don't know how to do that so then I've been away and I studied loads of Brene Brown's work I think yep. you it was either you or Sheena sent me the link to Brene Brown's TED yep. talk and I was like oh right it and makes then, sense now. now and then but that's still me even now that is still something I need to practice like consciously because mm. I am very, it's e- much easier for me just to, I'll just do it by myself. I'll just shut all the doors to everybody. I'll just stay in the house and, and it's even easier now that we're in lockdown. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Don't it's, be vulnerable with the world. It's, exactly. It's, but for many people, they'll feel feeling a mental health lift because of that. But that's again then when people though, and I think we've both been been very fortunate, as of course have the two people that I'm about to mention. Uh, And, you know, you meeting Chris uh, and Mm -hmm. and Sheena from my perspective, because we found, uh, as they did, I'm sure, because I think the reason that the relationships are strong is because we we find a a match, we find that kind of link. But that person that you can be vulnerable with, you know, I know that Sheena still, I mean, I've been doing this for years and Sheena will still turn around and swear at me and go, you know, stop it. Just tell me what's going on. What's wrong with you? I know there's yeah. something wrong with you. And that, as you say, that choice, that permission to be vulnerable, because the natural response is, no, I'm fine. I'm all right. Yeah. I don't want if, Now, if she had a problem, I'd be like, right in there. Like, yay, let me help. <laughs> uh, you know, what is this? You know, oh, look, you're all vulnerable. I can help with that. Um, and, and I think that's one of the problems, I suppose, is being a helper is that, you know, when we meet, when we do meet vulnerable people, um, it, and and with, by the way, and with every best intention in the world, they can be, we can, we sometimes don't let go. Uh, I, I've got, a, there's a young girl, I did a, a kind of live on Instagram right at the beginning of all this. I think it's now about four weeks ago. And off the back of it, this 16-year-old uh, young woman contacted me and said, by the way, I've been having anxiety issues and all this type of stuff. And I've had these huge, long Instagram conversations with her about how she's not broken and, uh, and around her mental health. But what she really needs is to talk to someone. And every time I try to get her to talk to someone, I offered to talk to her. Uh, yeah. And she stood me up and made some crappy excuse about something else. And I've tried to get one of my team to talk to her. Uh, and she just keeps on making these crappy excuses. And I know in my head, I'm like, Brian, why are you wasting energy? on this this young lady she's she, you've given her so many opportunities walk away walk away walk away yeah but i can't it's like i i i know that 
I know that I can help. And, and then that, then, and this all started with you saying as their trends into this, uh, into these kind of mental health problems. But that for me is a, is a problem because it empties your tank. So if anybody's listening to this, that feels a bit empty, especially at the moment, because you're doing that person's shopping and you're helping your neighbor and you cut that person's grass and you did this and you did that and you did this. It's so important to fill your own tank. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people don't do that. So yeah, so it's like I can't let it go because I, I I want to find that wee way that I can get her some help because I know she doesn't need to feel like that. But in some ways, that's an issue because I'm the one that keeps on starting the conversation back up. I'm like, ah, you ready yet? You ready to talk to someone yet? Um, and it's like, why don't I just walk away? Let her make the choice. But anyway, I think I, I think that makes a point. But I, I hope it's coming across. Yeah. And I think it, it's important as well for people especially uh, people like us that want to help to remember that people like to dip their toe in the water because they think that they're ready to help and then when they realize that the solution is much easier than they thought it was going to be yeah they don't want to do it because it's too easy because actually being in that stuck place is where yep. they're comfortable because it's what they know exactly uh, and that's the thing i mean it's there is a i don't know if you've ever seen it and uh, but there's a a Tony Robbins like clip uh, that he did. Now I I never know. I mean, I suppose when you talk to as many people as Tony Robbins does, and you film everything you do, you're occasionally going to get the perfect person. Yeah. Uh, I, but um, I, I always wonder. I think some of them sometimes seem a wee bit too perfect. So I don't know. I, I suppose I, I've been in situations before on courses, right enough, where the perfect demo just happens, and you're like, oh, I'm so delighted that everybody just got to witness that. I wish I'd <laughs> filmed that, you know, because that would have been perfect. So I suppose I'm maybe be doing him a disservice. But there's a really interesting video he does, um, and it's about the six needs, which is the same thing as he talks about in his TED talk. Uh, but this is a live one, and he's talking to a, a woman who's asked a question about depression. And one of the things he talks about is the buzz of depression. Uh, that there's a there's a buzz, there's a there's a feeling to it. There's a, and and this is so important. It's like because it, it, it's called secondary gain. Um, that sometimes you don't want to go over your problem because in some ways your problem benefits you or, or keeps you safe. And it comes back to what we said earlier about survival instincts. You know, somebody who somebody who can't leave their beds because of depression or to lighten it very slightly, although not in, uh, in terms of how it feels, somebody who can't leave their house because of anxiety. Um, the thing to understand is, is that your mind isn't trying to hurt you. It's not trying to cock your life up. Um, it's not trying to uh, cause you damage or ruin your relationships. What it's trying to do is help you survive. And there's a safety in that. There's a safety in not leaving the house. There's a safety in not getting up. Because if I get up, then, you know, I'm just going to realize what a piece of crap I am. And then I'm going to feel bad about myself. So I may as well stay in my bed because I'm safe here. But because I'm in my bed now, I feel like a piece of crap. And now what happens is the cycle starts. Yeah. And as you say, then somebody realizes that the solution just takes a little bit of energy and a little bit of choice. But then what happens? If I'm now over my depression or I'm over my anxiety, what does that mean? Like, what happens if, as has happened in, in many cases, uh, that you look at your relationship and you go, oh, 
balls. This is all cocked up and this is not the relationship I want, for instance. <laughs> like uh, our very, very first interaction. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. I didn't know how, how open you were and how vulnerable you were in your podcast to mention. That's well, why I was smiling while I was talking it's about in it. The, it's in the first chapter of the book. So. Ah, perfect. Excellent. <laughs> so yeah, it's like, it is, it's like, you know, it, it's that moment that if I go over my crap, am I going to find more crap? And there is a there is a thing where if you've been living a, a life that's been limited for a for a length of time, there is a chance, you know, like say let's say the helpers again. There is a chance that if you get over that and start to realize what's been happening, you might have to do a fairly significant friend clear out. And that's hard work and tough. And but what we don't notice is that on the other side of it is a life where we are surrounded by people who help us and care for us and love us and support us, that the short-term pain, much as it is, is worth it for that gain on the other side. And I think it is. I think, you know, because we speak, I think, much, I think we're very honest uh, about change. Is that, the, the way that I always word it is that it's, uh, it's simple. I mean, the concept of change is simple, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's always easy. Um, and, uh, but, you know, dealing with your past using something like timeline from NLP or using parts or understanding your own values or whatever it is, all these things are relatively simple processes to do, but it's, can you then go and live by them? You know, can you go and, uh, and say, right, I'm going to change my life because of X, Y, Z. And this is one of my things that I worry about with this. See, more tangents. Sorry, I'm just jumping all over the place. <laughs> I don't know if you're the same, but I've actually quite enjoyed some of the changes. Well, I was standing out the back garden speaking to uh, somebody on the phone earlier on, and I could hear the birds sing. We live relatively close to Glasgow Airport and relatively close to a, a very busy, busy kind of main road, kind of A road down into Ayrshire, um, as you know. And, um, uh, and the road's dead. So there's none at that background hum yeah. has gone and there's no planes in the sky and I'm standing and I can hear the birds sing and birds actually flew into the garden and I, I just worry that loads of people are just going to they're going to lift the lockdown and everybody's just going to go back and, it's, and I don't think it's going to happen straight away, I think it's just going to be a slide Yeah, just a, a gradual process back. I yeah. said that to my mum right at the very start of this I was like, something needs to change out of this because everybody was too chaotic. Like, every, nobody was had time to go and see their friends or go and yep. see their family or whatever it was. They were just go, 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 go. And a lot of people, I've got friends that have got children and they're like, oh, it's been great being able to spend time with the kids yeah. and see them and connect with them. But And they don't want to let some of that go, but they also need to find a way of how do they still earn an income? How do they still pay their bills? How do they... Yep. all these other things and it's how they find the right kind of balance that works for them so that they can then have the life and it's like you have to sit down and decide what are your priorities what is yep. what are your essential needs and then how do you make that happen so that when you come out the other side it can be however it is I was quite fortunate that I had to make all these decisions three years ago when I took not well yep. because my entire life had to change I couldn't keep teaching my classes and going down south to deliver weekend events and stuff like that so I had to let go of a lot of stuff and I've taken my live classes now online 
for me there's not been much of a change but I've already yep. had a massive transition change from working yeah. 40 hours a week to working seven hours a week yep. <laughs> can't cut back anymore I'm sorry I'm at the bare bones <laughs> <laughs> yes exactly exactly <laughs> but it took a lot of work and it took a lot of effort and because I have this underlying health thing I can't fall back because that's always going to come back and kick me in the ass yep. if I take the piss whereas if somebody doesn't have that and then they start going back, they're not going to notice until they're too far down that path. That's it. I mean, I, I'm going to use a, an example. I don't know um, what your, who, who it is that listens, but I'm sure this is going to be relevant to, to many people out there. Um, the number of kind of middle-aged men I have worked with over the last, especially over the last kind of four years, I, I went through, and especially, you know this from, from kind of courses and stuff, but I mean, I... When, when we first met each other, my, my business was not entirely, but, but predominantly female. It was predominantly women. Um, and over the last kind of three or four years, it shifted. I don't know if I've, if I've shifted or what happened, but it shifted to a relatively healthy, probably 50-50 mix, although I do work a lot with teenagers, so that's a wee bit different. But, uh, but middle-aged men and the number of guys that have got to, 50 something and have been working hard have been doing this that the next thing and have came home one night to find their wife sitting there in tears going we need to talk and marriage family break up because either their wife has ended up having an affair or she's just pissed off and done uh, we're living this way or whatever it is and basically their relationships are broken down and I could almost spot them. Like I could spot them like coming in. You could see them arriving. And they'd yeah. all say the same thing, which was, um, but I was working so hard because I thought that, I, I remember talking to a guy, he said that I was working so hard. He had a, I can't remember, something million pound pension pot. Like he basically was like in a really nicely paying job and worked really hard, but was away from his family all of the time. Yeah. Uh, he'd built his own house he, they owned it outright they lived in this beautiful part of the country everybody had everything they wanted the kids could have anything uh, him and his wife drove lovely cars blah 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 and she left him um, and he's like but I had this pension pot and I know I didn't see the kids much but I was I was planning and retiring in like six years and then, then we had our life and what he re- didn't realise was that his life was then his life was right his life was now and and they didn't want the pension pot what they wanted was him and I think that's the thing is is that I'm hoping that what this does is as you say it gets a lot of people to reflect on what's important Uh, and sometimes that's going to be through the absence so the fact that I haven't seen and I can't see you know my mum or I can't visit the family or I I can't do this makes me value it more but I suppose uh, our the podcast then goes full circle because I then come back to the fact that pain is a really powerful motivator and it's that we insidious just change without you noticing it's changed. I mean, you ended up, you know, working all of those hours, traveling all those ways. And and I remember when you were doing it and, and you know, we were all like, this is dead exciting for Jen and she's doing this and she's the queen of spin and she's this <laughs> and she's that, not actually realizing you know what was happening you know and yeah. you to a certain extent weren't realizing none of us were realizing what was happening because i've done the same uh, it was all living on, for me it was living on the adrenaline 
Yeah, and you just even when I was getting three hours sleep, I'd wake up like, "Oh my god, I'm so tired!" But I'd get on the bike, and the music would go, and the the adrenaline oh. would kick in. Yep. Boom! Oh, feel it, feel amazing again, feel amazing. Oh my god, I'm going to die! Oh my god! Yeah. And it was just that flip between the two. I couldn't find a nice middle ground of this is what bliss feels like. I am. And I still struggle with that. I, I am so glad. I'm so delighted. I think this is obviously, see, I, I, you know what, I, I have my thoughts on kind of manifestation and stuff. And as I say to you many times, I'm kind of 90% science, but I'm always 10% weird shit. Yeah. Uh, always leave the, te- the, the 10% open for weird shit. And maybe this, this podcast was meant to happen right now because I made a commitment to myself at the start of the year um, to change my pattern that I'd ended up in almost exactly the same pattern as you. I was fortunate. I think, Maybe, maybe you could say that it manifests itself in different ways. That physically, I was just tired, yeah. uh, and but I was I was done, and I was wearing loads of hats. But um, November, I can even tell you the date: November the fourteenth last year, um, doing that very thing. So uh, the office in Glasgow, two clients in the morning, uh, grab lunch from Sainsbury's, get in the car drive the car out to Wood Farm High School in Thornley Bank in Glasgow, do a session, uh, have a meeting there, uh, and, uh, and have my meeting there, then have my lunch in the car, back in the car, back to Glasgow, park it again, another three clients, no stop time, probably working from half nine till probably about half seven, uh, and on my way to my meeting in that school, um, crashed my car, uh, like properly wrote it off. Um, as I said to a couple of people, three seconds of lost concentration and bang. Uh, as my uh, as my brother-in-law said, actually, at Christmas time, which was a, a really powerful thing he said to me, he's like, you were lucky it wasn't four seconds of lost concentration or that was a very different accident. Because uh, I had yeah. time to put my brake on uh, and mm. everything. But wrote yeah. my car off, luckily came out relatively healthy. But fast forward, I, I basically took the next day off because the next day was a Friday, took the next day off. Um, and for, for one reason or another, that day caused even more stress when I phoned the insurance company. Yeah. Had a horrible weekend where I was really anxious. Monday, boom, back in. Borrowed Sheena's car straight back into it. And it was actually at Christmas time, just in between Christmas and New Year, that Sheena turned around to me and said, you've not been right since that car crash and you're kidding yourself on if you think you have been. And everybody had been telling me to stop. Everybody had been telling me to stop. Anyway. Yeah. I made a commitment at Christmas, uh, over Christmas and New Year, that this year I was going to do what I enjoyed and I was going to just do what I enjoyed. I was going to cut out all the rubbish and I was just going to do the things that I loved. And genuinely, I walked upstairs last night feeling a bit tense um, about like what have I got to do and where have I got in my head was racing. And I remember walking up and going, what's changed because the start of the year for me that January February coming into the beginning of March was awesome I was in a <laughs> magic place I'd found it I'd found balance I'd said to people for years probably said to you I just need a bit of space I'm just looking for space yeah. uh, and I had space I'd taken every Friday afternoon off um, I was going to the gym I was I was loving it everything was cool and just over the last kind of seven eight weeks something's happened since lockdown actually yeah something just went and I, I've gone back into the hamster wheel again. So I'm delighted that you just said that because I think that's the reminder of, you know, that you have to make that choice to, mm-hmm. to go, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, I'm, I'm stopping now. Uh, and, I, and this is okay. This is enough. 
um, to, to have that gap because, and, and I tell that story on purpose because I think it's very easy for people to look at, you know, you or, or myself and go, oh, they're personal development professionals. Nothing ever happens to them. They know all this. But it is, it's it, just because you know it, it doesn't mean that it's always and, easy to apply. There has to be a choice. And that's for me is the difference that we make is that you made a choice and you've had to stick by that choice. But as you say, it's not always easy, but yeah. it's a choice. Uh, yeah. And and that's uh, that started, I suppose, you know, your choice to be vulnerable and to do all this stuff started all those years ago when uh, I, I had thought of this earlier and I thought I can't come off this podcast because I don't know how many how many years people have known you. But I always remember you walking in and going, I watched the X Factor last night and I burst into tears. What have you done to me, Costello? Why am I crying at the X Factor? You've broken me. Uh, I mean, that's the most hilarious thing. Uh, you couldn't watch Disney movies. Now, you used to sit there like ice cream. Like, why is this? This is nothing. Get over your shit. What's wrong with you people? Why are you crying at this? Exactly. And then all this dead. <laughs> exactly. My granny died just before before she saw me achieve my dreams. I got over it, come on. Uh, yeah, Buckle uh, up. Exactly. And all of a sudden, but that, that beginnings of that vulnerability, you had to go through that. And even from the point of view of friendships, I mean, I remember going through that myself of really radically changing my friendships. And, and there's a choice. I know it's so easy to say, but there's a choice to change and a, and a choice to go, I've had enough. And, and and I can't live like this anymore. And I hope that this gap is going to give people that chance, you know, to breathe and look at what's important without just sliding back in to yeah. normal again. Whatever normal was. And whatever yeah, whatever normal is. was. Yeah, just sliding back in. But yeah. I do, I, I do feel like that we're living in a movie because of all the, like some political people being crazy mm. <laughs> you're just like this this has to be the comedy scene doesn't it it cannot be real <laughs> it can't be real it cannot be real <laughs> he can't have just said to inject death all uh, like has he really yes. just said that seriously mm-hmm. and then i think the thing that scares me is the fact that he then comes out the next day and went no i didn't say that you you've completely and utterly taken my comments out of context and you're like nope no, we haven't. Video, video. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, oh, no, no, no. And the scary thing is, is that people are like, no, you know, you took it out of context. Anyway, I don't know who we're talking about. This is just a general conversation about anybody, yeah, obviously. Just, not making... just generally living in this movie type world. Yeah. But it is, so... I mean, even, even when you walk down the streets, I don't know if you've been in the centre of town uh, yeah. recently. I went in uh, a couple of times in the early days uh, when the supermarkets had nothing, because nobody was working, all the city centre supermarkets were fully stocked. Um, <laughs> so we drove a couple of times into the city centre to go to the city centre supermarkets. And it's, it is weird. It is like living in a movie. Uh, see, for your one-hour exercise at some point, you should you should just nip in and just, just for a walk. There's nobody there. You will social distance entirely and just take a couple of photos because it is weirdly eerie. Yeah, just everything shut. Even walking up to the park the other day, I said to Chris, I went, I can't remember what way to look for traffic on the road because there is no traffic to watch for. I'm like, where did the cars come? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Where am I just now? I'm in Spain, (laughs) in my home. Uh, No, that's it. 
I mean, <laughs> I, I went up uh, and because because of courses and stuff that it brought back two memories actually walking through town, which was very early going up into town on a Sunday morning to get ready for courses, and the other one was coming home maybe a little bit late at night. Aye, when you're kind of kicked out, especially in summer when it's a wee bit brighter when you get out. And it was yeah. basically when we used to go to the metro and stuff like that, and it used to be like the bus would drop you back off at, at four in the morning or something, you used to get off. And there was just, the sun was up, but there was nobody there. And then you're thinking, but this is 11 o'clock on a Wednesday morning. You know, uh, like, this should be mobbed. And it's not. Weird. No, it's yeah. weird. Yeah, it's very really strange. So I'm just going to take it back to the not feeling good enough and imposter syndrome thing. Where do you think that comes from? Um, So it's taught. So basically we we learn how to have these things. Um, So when we're we're grown up, uh, we're born emotionally blank. Uh, we, we're born with the ability to have every emotion, but we're born generally emotionally blank. Uh, you know, for anybody out there that's a parent, you'll know that uh, a baby can definitely have an angry cry, even though it maybe doesn't quite understand what angry is. And But that tends to come a little bit later. It tends to be sore cries and scared cries and hungry cries and all that type of stuff. So we are born apparently Uh, so they say with two fears which is a fear of falling and a fear of loud noises and then everything else is built on so when you think about though how these things happen we're we're coming back to the same same kind of uh, concept i say that there's two different types of memories Uh, there's drip feed memories which are like these just very low level sort of memories that they, they have a bit of emotion in them but not very much. And then you have big bangs, which are the big things that come along and boom, loads of emotion. They, they can be positive and negative. You can have very positive big bangs in your life. And I was speaking to someone actually the other day who's, uh, whose daughter's very, very severely disabled. And I was explaining this concept to her. And I was like, you know, it's like when you're a parent uh, and even with her daughter, I said, I was like, you will have moments where there's been big bangs that have been very difficult. You know, so they had, they had some situations recently where they thought their daughter might die uh, and she didn't. She's now back and she's thriving again. But I was like, so that's a big bang. But you'll also have big bangs where you just did this wee moment that maybe nobody else noticed in the world, but you noticed and you remember every detail of it. And that for me is the, the epitome of a big bang. Yep. Uh, drip feeds are normally a little more subtle. So it's how you've learned most things. There's never a day where you woke up one morning and went, I'm now a good driver. Uh, I'm now fantastic at driving. Uh, it doesn't happen. for that day to come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it came for me really early. You know, uh, I've been a great driver for years. That's how I managed to ram my car into the back of someone on the M77. Uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, maybe that was a wee bit too much confidence. Um, yeah, so it's like these drip feeds. So one of the, the negative examples I use is, is bullying. It's like if, if you take out something or if you've ever been in a really controlling relationship, um. And this, for me, is, you know, in fact, I'll finish that wee metaphor. Um, so if you're bullied, you can tell me, you know, especially if it's something like a lot of name calling or psychological, you know, where you were called something or something. You tell me about one of those incidents, just a single incident. And in isolation, it sounds like, ah, yeah. A little bit like you would have said before, ah, yeah, well, just, you know, buckle up, come on. Yeah. Uh, everything's going to be fine. But when you multiply that over maybe the five or six years of school or maybe even longer than that, this becomes a really, really 
uh, kind of part of your identity. It can become like something you don't even notice is happening. So in those kind of examples, I think is where things like not being good enough, imposter syndrome, that's where they came from. I will give you two very simple examples that I hear quite often. Um, imposter syndrome. Uh, so uh, the, the, the diary or the recipe, sorry, for a perfectionist, as I call it, uh, which is mummy, um, mummy, daddy, mummy, daddy. I get nine out of 10 in the spelling test today. Which one did you get wrong? Uh, mummy, daddy, I, I got, became second in the race today. Oh, who won? Uh, you know, that type of thing. Uh, where if that just happens over your life, uh, then it's never good enough. You know, mum, dad, I got into uni. Which one did you get into? I get into, you know, I get into this one. Oh, so you didn't get your first choice. You know, th these little things um, are, are just enough just to just chip away. And that's an example of how somebody could learn how to not be good enough. And there's a whole heap of examples in there that you yeah. can imagine. A big bang and one of the most common um, and I'm going to use a subtle one, but this is actually very common, is that when you start asking people about it, um, things like friendship fallouts, this is a classic for always looking to be people pleasers and, and not being good enough. Um, primary five, primary six, just as relationships start to become a big thing, one day you appear at school, you go to hang around with your usual group of friends, and all of a sudden the usual group of friends goes, we don't like you anymore. We're, we're not your friend anymore. And in that moment, this humongous fear hits. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, what comes off the back of that is this, your brain goes into safety mode, survival mode, as we said earlier on. Yeah. And even when that friendship then begins to repair, the emotional scar uh, is left with your mind going, never disappoint them again. Always be the best you, always please them, always be the best friend, always be there. Never take offense at anything they say, because if you do, they might fall out with you again and remember how bad that felt back then. So yeah. these types of examples are, are classic. So this is why I say you're not broken. Uh, because if, uh, if you want to look at it, for me, almost all of our emotional hangups and our belief systems have been taught. And if you want the perfect example, while you're in lockdown, go and watch Inside Out by Pixar uh, and sit back and, and learn how your brain works. I've got that on my list of things that I want to watch, but it's not on Netflix or Amazon. No, because now Disney Plus, you see, so it's now, it's now Disney it. Plus. So, um, it's not that expensive, so is it Disney Plus? I don't uh, know. It's about 50 quid for the year or something like that. But when you get everything, if you like Marvel movies and all that type of stuff, then they're all there. And if you like all your traditional, then it's got Snow White and no. all that. Which, by the way, if you watch them now, are massively have some, some fairly significant political problems with them now, which is why <laughs> I think they're making them all again. Uh, some of them have some some hmm, some, some issues uh, with, with some of their, their roles. A lot of sexism and racism in those. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and just the way that certain people are getting dealt with and called and the names they're using, you're like, oh. Oh, geez, I never noticed that when I was seven. Uh, you know, so, uh, it's, but yeah. It's like when you go to a panto as an adult, I remember turning around to my mum and going, I can't believe you brought me to this smut. Because <laughs> they, because the jokes are so clever, as a small kid, you would never get it yeah, because they're so yeah. innuendoed. And as an adult, I was like, mother, what exactly. the fuck? <laughs> 
a there's a really interesting uh, this again another tangent, but there's a really interesting psychological test. You know those optical illusions things yeah. that are out there. You know, and you it's like the old classic one of the old woman, and then you turn it upside down, and it's like the young woman in the dress. Yeah. There's one that is uh, a fairly explicit um, uh, sexual act, but it's it's made up of four dolphins. And genuinely, if you show it to young children, they'll go, it's dolphins. Uh, because their brains cannot perceive of the fact that there's anything else there. But us dirty-minded adults look at it and have to go, at dolphins? Where are the dolphins? I can't see the dolphins. There's definitely no And then you go, oh, there's the dolphins. Uh, okay. uh, but yeah, we, we see a different thing first. But it is, it's all about, um, it's all about perception. But yeah, Inside Out is such an amazing movie for explaining, uh, especially to young people, um, how their brain works. And you'd recognise a lot of it because you're NLP training. You'd recognise yeah. timeline. It's, it's a story about timeline. Okay. Uh, cool. where, where wee bits of, of add-ons and, and stuff like that. And um, about realising that the past might not be what you thought it was when you, when actually, when, when you think back and you think about all those moments when you were really, really sad, for instance, but actually then the realisation that you weren't alone and in those moments were the moments where you realised that you were loved and you were cared for and all of those. But when you think back just now, you go, oh, sad. <gasps> but actually it's about kind of widening the view and going, yeah, but did you notice what happened at that time? What it taught you, what, who you are, which is ultimately the, the road to freedom is, is about learning, you know, that you're, that, that, that as Kanye said, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I'm sure Kanye came up with that himself. I'm sure he was the first one. I'm sure, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I think I Kelly know. Clarkson might have had it in a song yeah, before Kanye. Yeah, I think so. I think about you, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. I can't believe I just quoted Kanye West, but yeah, I, mean, I, I can't remember. I'm sure it's Who probably are in the you? Bible. Probably in the Bible. It must be. Everything's in the Bible. They're all there. Uh, like, Blame the Bible. They were, they were good self-help authors, those crowds. <laughs> I, I, I have the temptation to say even more on that about metaphor and stuff, but I'm not going to. No, I don't. Who you never know who might be listening. I don't think, I don't think Jesus is listening. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> don't, don't take me. Uh, but, but, but God is everywhere. So yeah, God, God is everywhere. Even, God but you still have to go the thoughts. To, yes, but even in lockdown, you still have to go to church because God isn't everywhere unless you can give him money. Uh, but that's maybe a, that's just <laughs> that is one of the best conspiracy conspiracy things out there that I saw it was this was this man who for half an hour bambled on about 5g 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 yep. and then went the thing that's going to save us we will all go to church and I was like oh mate <laughs> <laughs> you might you have... let me know how that goes <laughs> yeah you might have that the wrong way around I think yeah Yes. No, and that's no offence to anybody who goes to church. If that's what nope. makes you feel peaceful, that's great, but that is not going to heal coronavirus. Yeah. Did you see the guy? I can't remember his name. He's one of the famous ones that, that tried to blow it away. Have you seen his clip? No. He blew he blew it. Oh geez, you have to you have to seek him out um on YouTube. Um he he blew at the screen, he was like I blow you away. I blow you away, coronavirus. That was three weeks ago. Oh, is that? Yeah, I mean, he's maybe been banned. Uh, no, no, he's, he's one of the big. He's the guy that he's the guy that said that God had told him that he needed a second private jet. I don't know um, this person then. Uh, Kenneth Copeland. There's an amazing clip 
Uh, this is, geez, oh man, yeah, I know you said it goes off on tangents, but this is mental. Um, there's an amazing, there's an amazing clip. So Ken Copeland or Kenneth Copeland, if you search him up, Kenneth Copeland, private jet, you'll see him uh, talk with another pastor, American pastor, evangelical guy for about half an hour. And how about Jesus told him that he needed a second private jet because he couldn't be on normal planes with diseases and all those people who are diseased. And this is before coronavirus, by the way. And the recent one is that he tried to blow away coronavirus. Uh, and and they're all just say because they're all going skint now, because they're not getting an income, yeah. you know? So they mm. all need their income. But maybe he really does have the power of God to blow away coronavirus. Maybe it's just taking its time to reach here. Maybe that's all. Who knows? Who knows? By the time this podcast comes out, it might be true. It might be true. Maybe maybe Ken Copeland blew away Corona. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Oh, anything else we want to tangent about before we wrap this up? <laughs> no, not at all. I think we've tangented pretty well, uh, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. No, I think uh, all I'd say is, you know, to, to anybody listening to this, especially if it is still coronavirus time, depending on when this comes out, you know, again, I'll just say you're not broken. And I think, you know, that, that when you find someone uh, and you find a message that you resonate with, uh, then you start to realise that you're not broken because even from from the point of view of Jen and I, we've both been there. Uh, and in some ways, we, as we both revealed this post today, we, we both still are there uh, in some ways and it's it's a constant choice. So choose to change, choose to be vulnerable. Like you did all those years ago, you know, I said, I said this in another wee video thing the other day, make the decision just to send that email that says, by the way, I'm feeling a bit shit or by the way, I'm not feeling great to whoever it is you resonate with. And that's when the healing starts. But sitting yourself at the moment in a wee bubble isn't going to help. Yeah, it's not. So. It, needs, it needs to blah, 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 go out there. Yes, Absolutely. Because when you put that out there, it's then it opens something inside you to go. There is another way. Yeah, you're sometimes the worst person, you know, and I know this from myself. Uh, you're the worst person uh, to work on your own problems, yeah. uh, and that's why you're so good at helping everybody else with their problems. It's <laughs> uh, because you're the outside voice, and that's why your friends seem to sometimes have sense. And go, you go, do you speak so much sense? You know, even on this call, you know, that that's helped me, that that thing that you said there about earlier on about about bliss, because I'm in it. I'm going to my bed last night going, why can't I get back to that? And I'm efforting. I'm efforting in a bid to get back to a place of calm. And it's yeah. like, no, mate, what you do, as you just said, is no, you make that choice to go, this is what I'm doing. And I have to make that choice for the better of my health. And I can feel my, you know, I can yeah. feel that can happen. So doesn't matter how long you've been doing it for, how many books you've read. Everybody needs somebody sometimes. Yeah. I've found what's been really useful over, I mean, we've known each other just over 10 years. Yep. I now go to different people Yep. for help because I know if I come to you, you're going to ask me, not that you always use the same questions, but you're going yeah, to go down one but... way and my brain already knows how to answer your questions <laughs> and to <laughs> them. So yep. I then have to go and find somebody who doesn't, know a lot about my background yep. so that they can say something totally different to me or they might say exactly the same thing but it's not coming from the same history that's it and that's what that helps me pull 
pull myself out because I do know that I've gone, oh, I'll just go back to that person because they know me really well. And then I've come away going, I've not, I've not gone forward anything because yep. you already know what somebody's going to say to you. You're for nearly all of us, we know we just need a way of putting it into action. So you need to find the right person at that time who's going to yep. be able to pull you into action. Exactly. I think that's it's, it's really, really lovely way to put it. Because, I mean, I know that, that one of the challenges, I spoke to Sheena about this last year when I was going through all that kind of, dun, 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 and I'm going, I know, I know, I need somebody to help me. Now, I've got a business coach who's great, and she does a lot of mental health stuff, but not maybe in the way that I needed it last year. She's more of a kind of like, um, she more swears at me and tells me to get a grip, uh, which is sometimes a good thing, uh, and I need that. Um, but one of the challenges I had last year was was trying to find that person that you've just spoken about, because yeah. I knew what I wanted and I knew what I needed, but all the best NLPers are people that I have trained. Uh, yeah. the, the best NLPers that I know, sorry, are, are people that I have trained. Uh, and I knew that they would just ask me the same questions as everybody else would ask me. And I, and I got into this, self-help cul-de-sac where I couldn't find I couldn't find what I was looking for I couldn't find my direction out because I couldn't find the person that would ask me the questions in a different way that I could trust that would be able to do it as it was um, I just needed to crash my car and I ended up actually I we we ended up Steve and I who's my as you know Steve and my my business partner in the training business um we ended up in a course on in Spain in Barcelona uh, and there was a new voice oh, yeah. and there was a new trainer. Yeah. Uh, Robert Diltz, one of the big names in, in NLP, uh, was the trainer. And him combined with all these people who'd been trained by Robert Diltz and also, which is the weirdest thing, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, being one of three English speakers in a room full of Spaniards, only some of whom could speak English, being the odd one out, very, very odd. Uh, like that's not normally how these things work. Normally, you're going, "Oh, you're Spanish. Don't worry, I'll, you know, <laughs> you know that type of thing." Uh, and all of a sudden, it was like, "No, can anybody speak English?" Hello, English speaker over here. Damn, um, I should but, have paid attention at college. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I knew I should have done Duolingo uh, before I came. But it was it was actually a real lovely experience because. I went down a very different route that I wouldn't normally. And actually, yeah. do you know, as I went to bed last night, I've got the uh, I've got the manual. The manual for the course is, is right here. It's been sitting next to me and I bought his book. And actually, when I went to bed last night, the, the wee voice in my head went, you should read Robert Dilts' book. Get back to where you were in January because yeah. it was the different way of looking at things. It was a different way so maybe i've now got my reading material for this afternoon uh, sorted as to pick up that book by the way if anybody's interested in what the book's called it's called mm-hmm. success factor modeling um and success it's uh, and, modeling. yeah it sounds very officious it sounds very and, and robert Dilts can be a wee bit dry but as far as i can tell it's all about passion it's all about passion oh, okay. and vision and all these things it's amazing so it sounds like a business book and it is to a certain extent but it's also not it's very much about what's your passion and how to open it and, and, and kindle it. I can put the link to that in the show notes. Speaking of books, you have books. I do. I do. I have two or three. Two. Number three, uh, I was meant to be in final edit for just now, but when your publisher's a pharmacist, 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, coronavirus kind of cocks up your book schedule, you know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so he's back on the floor dispensing, and unfortunately, yeah. our edit is kind of is paused. But yeah, the third one's coming. But two books out uh, already, so you can Kindle them, at, and they're also on Amazon. So the first one's called Breakthrough Blueprint for the Mind, uh, and it's a wee journey through. It's actually a journey through NLP without ever mentioning NLP, and it's a journey through. The, the building blocks of your head, how thoughts cause feelings, like we spoke about earlier, how our memories all stack up, how sometimes we live too much in our heads when sometimes we need to be outside, uh, and about living by your values, uh, and then ultimately how to be yourself, how to give yourself the freedom of, of owning your own identity. And then the other one is called Cracking the Teen Code, which you don't need to be a parent to read. You could be a teacher or anybody that works with young people, or you might just read it because there's a lot of stuff in it that you'll go, oh, that's why when I was 17, I was so <laughs> messed up uh, and all that. So even though it is about teenagers, it's just a book about people and it's a book about growing up. Um, but it's aimed at parents for helping their families and seeing the world through a teenager's eyes because I, I love working with young people. Um, and it's... Uh, it will change your family because it will give you the tactics that, that you need. I will say just now, if you're a parent listening to this, there's a lot of it that you're about to have to look at yourself. Uh, one of the things, whenever <laughs> I sign the book, uh, when I sign the book, one of the, my, my wee phrases that I write in it is, um, remember that even when it feels like it is, it's not actually about you. And there's a lot of parents out there that make it about them. This is a lack of respect. Why are you not listening to me? When actually what they are not doing is they're not listening to their teenager. And it's yeah. about how to do that, how to know what to listen for, uh, and then how to help and, uh, and how to actually be a therapeutant, as I call it. We have therapeutes. Why should it all be Labradors? Uh, so become a therapeutant uh, and learn how to be at least the front line. You're not always the best person to help, but at least yeah. be the front line in helping them with their mental health. And the third one that's coming out hopefully now next year is called Mission. And we'll get to that when the time okay. comes. We can do another yeah. podcast on that. Exactly. I'll shout you when it comes out. We can do yeah. a mission podcast. <laughs> Best places for people to find you on, on the computer. So uh, on the computer uh, or on their phone, <laughs> uh, on social media. So on Facebook, uh, we are Headstrong Minds. So M-I-N-D-S. Um, so Headstrong Minds. On Instagram, we are Headstrong underscore Minds. Uh, and on uh, Insta as well, I'm Brian underscore Headstrong because sometimes I post stuff in mine that I don't post on Headstrong Minds um, uh, as well. So Brian underscore Headstrong. Although if you do follow Brian underscore Headstrong, uh, you will find out very quickly what football team I support uh, and the fact <laughs> that you will see me at the matches uh, there. But I don't think for anybody in Glasgow with a name like Brian Anthony Costello, uh, with a, there's much of, question. There, there's much question. Yeah, uh, <laughs> if I see that I went to various schools called Sacred Heart, St Matthews, uh, various things like that. Tumble. Yeah, Tumble. Yeah, Tumble's a wee bit of a funny. Yeah. It doesn't sound immediately like it's that school, but I did go to Tumble High. Yeah, for a whole year. Uh, yeah, you're a Tumble body. Uh, so yeah. So anyway, but apart from that, there's loads of good advice and and loads of free videos and things on anxiety and just a different way of looking at things. And, and that's what we try to give, as I said, that positive conversation, that positive conversation about mental health, rather than always looking at it with a big frown on you. you know? Yeah. You definitely guided me and helped me 
you, you took me to the chaos, you pushed me in it, <laughs> and then got me out the other side. <laughs> oh, that's, that's lovely. Uh, and I remember that journey very, very well. Uh, and, um, and it was an amazing journey to be part of. And, you know, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's when you think about where you were, even when I walked into college, you know, 10 years, it's bonkers. Even where I was at that time, you know, Sheena yeah. hadn't even graduated uni. Uh, when yeah. I first met you, I think or she was about to. She was she there as an adult. I would just like to say you do not have a child bride. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she was a mature student. That's a good point well made, that woman. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, so she hadn't even uh, yeah, graduated. And, and to, to think back to, you know, all that time, you know, because even you were the first person to ever get me to do a push-up, so there you go. Uh, it was, uh, you know, back in PT days and all of those Remember. things. It's been, it's been an amazing journey. Uh, it's been lovely to be part of it with you. So, yeah. uh, Thank you so continue. much. Thank yeah. you so much for being on the podcast. I will put a all pleasure. the links to all your stuff and the books and things into the show notes. Beautiful. So that is great. Thank you. Let me just end recording. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening and remember to leave a review and subscribe over on iTunes or SoundCloud and check out what's going on at IamJenWilson.com or head over to Instagram and give us a follow just following IamJenWilson.